Welcome to the Fear Soul Podcast, focusing on empowerment, embodiment, and self-expression. I'm your host, Jordan Ray, and I chat with thought leaders and inspirational individuals in free-flowing, unfiltered conversation intended to empower you to love yourself fiercely, live authentically and soulfully. We are back with Melanie Griffiths for part two. So just to remind you, Melanie is a movement maven, life adventurer, cancer thriver, and integrity enthusiast. Lovely to have you back. Nice to be back. Nice to be back. I wanted to say part two, the revenge, when you... (laughs) (laughs) Well, last time you took us through your holistic healing for your cancer, you then dropped in your first near-death experience. (laughs) No, I always forget that one. (laughs) And you had just introduced us to Nia and what Nia is and we're going to start talking about why this was an important step in your own dance journey. Yeah yeah it's so I probably said this but I'm just going to recap so I I had grown up doing the traditional ballet modern tap and then by the time I got to a teenager jazz was available and it was all very regimented in terms of the training and you 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 did specific things for exams and <clears throat> and what I understand now is there was nothing really body-led about it. Um, I was actually sharing this story with someone else recently. I remember my first ballet teacher, it would have been the 70s, in high, chunky heels, trousers, flared trousers and smoking. You know, we've come a long way since then, I feel. <laughs> um, Absolutely, yes. <laughs> so, um, so I had that in the background and... Something about all of that training and pressure for exams had put me off dancing. So when I got to 18, 20, I kind of drifted away from it because I I the joy was the joy was missing. The joy was missing. And um, I didn't really know that at the time. And you know what it's like. You go along your life path or paths, and at some point you 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 look back and you go, oh, that's what that bit meant, and that's what that was about. So when I was in California and I discovered Nia, which a friend of mine was teaching at the time, it was like a door opening on my soul in terms of um, energetic movement. In a way, I could kind of intuitively and some part of me deep, my soul could connect with and back as a child, but I didn't have any reference point in my own background and training. And I think I might have explained this in the last podcast, what Nia was, how it had come about. Yes, you had got into that. Yes. Yeah. So um, so when I started, I think um, the first thing that really struck me about it, and their strap line is actually the joy of movement. And I remember it took me, it took me many, many classes before that, rigidity of what I call performance dance started to leave my body and I started to move naturally and authentically um and literally I remember memories coming back of being in tumble tots as a two three-year-old um where you're allowed you're allowed to just roll around and move for fun 
And then, you know, somebody sees your potential, puts you in a structured class. I think that's what happened to me. And then and it all kind of got, and I carried on and I was able to progress to a degree, but not to the level I think that I was able to get to after I'd had, this would have been the first near-death experience coming out from that. And realizing it was a couple of things. It was a friend of mine in the UK, I've just remembered this, having a conversation with her on the phone, because back then we didn't even have the internet. And so, you know, it was letters and phone calls. Letters and phone calls, people, if there's anyone younger watching this. Um, having a conversation with her. And I had said I had stopped dancing because I was doing all this spiritual stuff at the time, all this mind-body work, or, or actually, you know, uh, energetic work, really. And she went, but that's like breathing for you. And it was like somebody had smacked me over the head with a brick. And it just kind of almost rever reverberated in my space for a long time. And around that time, someone else drew me into the near world. And I got to explore free dance, I got to explore playing with the left and right side of the, blur the brain. I got to explore the inner dancer. Um, and it was the beginning of my reconnection with my body and movement. And I didn't know at that point how important that was to be. And then I stayed with Nia for a while, but because I was still struggling with severe anemia from all the blood loss, it, it started to become a little bit too much. And I actually had to back away from it for a while because it was quite, even though it was a barefoot movement class, it was still cardiovascular. And I think my system wasn't quite ready for that, which is when I found my way into the Wenwu School of Martial Arts in California. As you do. Amazing <laughs> place. As you do, exactly. Yes. And I started doing their Qigong program, which was a three-month program which you could repeat. So I actually did it for a year. So I did the, the program three times. And I have to say, it was a testament to how little I was literally living in my body. Because each time I went through their program, same patterns of movement was a completely different experience. Completely different, like, like it was another program. And I thought, wow, I had no idea I was that far out. I was so disconnected. And because it was gentle, and the school was amazing. If anybody is listening from out there and they're still going, go. They are such a beautiful place. At the time, um, there was a husband and wife who were running the school. She was 78 and still teaching. And he was um, 84 and still teaching Shaolin Kung Fu. That's what I think what I might have brought up in the last one. Yeah. Yes. And their grandmaster out in China, she lived until 106, I think, and then just passed away in her sleep. So, yeah. Um, so it was a very special place. And um, it was very nurturing. It was kind of what I needed at the time. It was, it was very gentle and nurturing. And so I don't think I, I'm trying to think, did I, I don't think I went back to Nia for a long time. I think I'm trying to remember. I think sometime after them, we moved from the West Coast to the East Coast, which is where I got the cancer diagnosis. So this does thread in with the movement journey. Um, and I, I'm trying to remember, did we talk about that in the last? 
to talk about that bit? Which bit? Um, when I was out in Maine and getting um, the cancer diagnosis. Yes. Yes, that's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. So I won't repeat. <laughs> we'll fast forward. Um, so went through the cancer, came back to the UK where I did my healing and moved back in with family. And as part of the healing, so I did all kinds of things. And over the course of four years, I did a combination of movement, meditation, mindset shifting, food, looking at family relationships. And in that time, I realized as part of where I needed to reconnect, because I was literally ripping up the floorboards of who I thought I was, I needed to get back into lyrical movement. And I went, I need to find a near class. So this is some years later. So I think we had the internet by this time. So there I was looking and I found a class at a leisure centre about half an hour away. And I started going once a week. And it was it was I was in a very dark place at this point as I was kind of I didn't really know. I'd made this decision to self-heal holistically. I didn't really know what that was going to look like. It was just literally, you know, like if you're driving along the highway and you get in the dark and your headlights are on, you get 200 feet. It was kind of like that. And so I was sort of almost sitting in my space kind of going, okay, what next, what next, what next? And so when I found this near class, I began to look forward to this once a week journey over there back into this fold. Because Nia is more than a movement program, it is about self-development through movement. It's like nothing I've ever come across before. Although I think there's probably now, there are probably other programs and things out there. But then, and this is 18 years ago, I don't think there was anything else really, because they had combined nine different movement forms to create their system. I found sort of refuge in the space. I started to find my way back into movement. I met people. And so it, it was more than just the, the actual physicality of the movement that was helpful. It actually was creating community for me as well. And then I started going to, there was another class I think on a Saturday morning, which I started going to. So as my health picked up, as I got stronger, I was able to do more. And I ended up taking friends that I'd met through my healing work to the classes. And then we're gonna fast forward a bit more here. I um, became a bit more involved in the community and there was another teacher locally who was bringing trainers, near trainers over to do workshops and things. So I had been toying with the idea of training. It was kind of went sort of back and forth in my, in my world. And there was a workshop that um, had been set up and I'd booked onto this workshop. And it was a trainer from the the US, the amazing Helen Terry, who, interestingly, I just trained with last year, did another belt level with her, all online, which was amazing. But we'll get into that in a minute. But um, she came over to do this workshop. And in the middle of this workshop, I went, I'm ready. I'm ready to train to do my first level. And that's what happened. So I, I came out of that and I needed to come back to the US At the time, I had a green card and I wanted to renew it. So I was due to come back over. So at the same time, I booked myself onto a NIA training in California. So I actually did my first level, which is a white belt. They have the system set up like a martial arts system. And I did my white belt training in California, which was another amazing NIA trainer, Gonsalud Gerhard. And she 
I really don't know how to explain it, but it just sort of opens you up mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. You're moving, you're thinking, you're... And so I did my white belt. And then I, when I came back and my teacher on the Saturday morning was moving on and he wanted to give up the class and go into other elements of movement and fitness that he was exploring. And so he said to me, it's time. It's time for you to step in and, and teach. And I think, you know, it was like, Ugh. and you know that phrase where people say, oh, it's not rocket science. I remember being in that first class and I thought, this is flipping rocket science. This is rocket science. Nothing could have prepared me for all of the elements that I, I kind of needed to, to know. You kind of sense it. Unfortunately, I was in a class that I had been in as a student who loved and held me and wanted to keep the fold going. So it was one of the most nurturing classes I've ever taught. Um, I still kind of connect with some of the students now. And that was the beginning of me becoming a movement teacher. That was the first step. I just wanted to pick up on the bit you said, and it's come out now through several of your steps, which is that bit of just not knowing. Yeah. Like you said, only being able to see 200 yards or just being able to see the first step. Yeah. And but knowing that's what you need to do. Yes. Yes. And following it and then trusting that once you've taken that step, then the next one will unfold. And Exactly. And then how it all unfolds naturally. The fact that yeah. you had the workshop available and then when you came back, the fact the teacher was moving on. So all of these things that just fall yeah. into place. Exactly. I think when we say yes, the universe goes, hooray, <laughs> and then wraps itself around us. And it's, you know, it's when we go, oh, I don't know. No, I don't know. You know. And we get in our little brains and we try and figure it all out. But when we say yes and we leap and we fly, and it was, I remember thinking, flipping hell, this is really hard. (laughs) It was like the music, the counting, the remembering, the cueing, the speaking, the watching. I think I had to sleep for the rest of the day (laughs) afterwards after teaching that first class. But I realised, I recently wrote a blog about entertaining and and performing and describe myself as a reluctant performer and I am and yet I constantly find myself thrown into sort of positions of being either in front or leading or or in that showcasing position and there's always a part of me like this and yet I realize I learn so much from being in that position particularly teaching and particularly this class so I continue to teach Nia And then I realized I wanted to explore my own movements a bit more. And I had had the opportunity to teach what was the beginnings of, at the time, hen dance parties, which is now a massively saturated market. And then it was kind of the beginnings. I had the opportunity to do one. And I thought, oh, this is interesting. Quite like it. Could be a good businessy thing. So this was another situation where I... um, threw myself in the fire um I in order to be able to do that I had to go and get some standardization so Nia and their trainings whilst wonderful weren't standard standardized or or actually complete which I didn't realize until I did the next training so I kind of knew the basics of teaching and then I um but in order to, to sort of be a, to be employed by gyms or to to sort of be employed by hen dance party companies 
you needed the exercise to music instructor certificate, which is your basic aerobics instructor training. And I remember a friend of mine at the time who was running it said, oh, you probably don't need this. And I thought, "Mm, I do. I've got a feeling. Well, when I did the training and I would say to anybody, I don't care what dance you've done. Everybody should. If you want to teach movement, you need to do this certificate. The holes in my information were like a crochet blanket. What I didn't know, I didn't know. I was like, oh, my goodness. It's a very what I would call a very dry certification. You are learning basic aerobics. But what you are actually learning is how to put a class together, a balanced class, and how to teach your students with care and attention. One of the best things I ever did, one of the hardest things, but it made me a better teacher. And it taught me about teaching. It taught me about myself. It taught me, and there's a reason I'm bringing this up. I feel like I've gone off the tangent of everybody needs to do this, which they do. But So then I was able to go and teach hen dance parties. I threw myself into that and I actually, I decided this could be a good kind of business move. So I cold called a load of hen hen dance party agencies. I was like, well, let's see what's out there, which I found really hard. I find that kind of thing just skin crawling. I was like, no, I'm going to do it. On the the 8th, I think, they picked up the phone. I was like, oh, this is such such hard work. And the woman said, Oh, we are. We're actually looking for an instructor in Brighton. What can you do? And I just went everything. (laughs) And at this point, I'd done nothing. Every time they had a booking and they sent it to me, I would go and learn about the dance style and put together a routine. And it was hard work, but it was so much fun. And I knew and it was one of those things like you were saying about, you know, you've got to do it. I knew I needed to just do it to build up a repertoire of styles and dance routines and that and I didn't know this at the time was actually to give birth to my dance fitness class that I now run which is called dance groove and is basically my license to do whatever I flip and feel like in it (laughs) I realized I was like oh well what about if I could this was just before Zumba so this was before Zumba came on the scene there was me thinking well what if I could put a class together where we're doing a little bit of everything and it's my replacement for nightclub dancing which I used to love to do at university but I wouldn't have the stamina now and wouldn't be able to stay up that late kind of thing. And then that class was born and I, I started sort of teaching that. And then not long after that, obviously other things were happening in the world and Zumba was born and suddenly the whole world was doing Latin style dance aerobics. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and so I went and got my Zumba instructor training. Don't get me started on that. I will rip shreds off those people. It was, Yeah. Don't do that. I love Dumba. I love Dumba. I love the, the concept, but yeah. the training is that yeah. that wasn't happy with that. But I did it because everybody was doing it and it was a good qualification to have in well, not really qualification, but to be able to say, I am a Zumba instructor. But what I think is positive about it is it got people moving who weren't interested before or they didn't see anything they liked on offer. Well, I was going to just add to that. It wasn't just that. It was that you didn't have to be able to dance. Exactly. In yes. Quote marks. Yes. It yes. was you turned up, you had fun. Yes. You know, if you were the one going left and the rest of the class was going right, it didn't matter. It actually added to the class. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I think there probably was stuff going on before that. There was like body jam, I think, in the, which is part of the Les Mills programs. Yeah. But 
I don't think there was anything quite like it. And it, like you say, it attracted people who formerly had tarred themselves with the non-dancer brush. And then, of course, it's then we've had Strictly and then Fit Steps has come from there. I could do a whole podcast on the fitness industry. <laughs> Let me know if you want to do that one. So many of these programmes have been born from... from yes. Especially yeah. kind of the, the Strictly side, because, yes, you've had Fit Steps. I was trying to think what the other one was, because I know there's another one going around. There's dance, not... um, Darcy Bustle's DD Mix. That they, one. They've all got yeah. their own that have come through and yeah. various kind of DVDs that came yeah. off of it. Yeah. But I think you're right, the... The similarity with them all was off the back of the symbol, which is you didn't have to be able to yes. be perfect yeah. at this. Suddenly dance became more, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not acceptable, but accessible. Accept- yes, that's the word. Accessible to anyone, which is how it should all should it's how it should be. It's how it should be. But it wasn't. There are beautiful people out there who move beautifully, but because they didn't fit certain criteria in the dance world, were dismissed. And in my continuing exploration of dance, what I come back to over and over again is it's something that comes from here. It's got nothing to do with body shape, size, age, weight, colour, background, um flexibility this is another thing now that I see in the dance world is if you can wrap your leg around your head it means you're a dancer no 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 it has to be how you move from within respond to the music so it's fascinating how it's grown and changed and I think now where it's at and for a few years prior to COVID I would take myself up to the big dance event in London move it and go and take classes, which was hilarious because it's mostly children <laughs> and then me. And often I would be in classes where I was the oldest by like 30 years. But I would either learn from watching the teachers teach and I would learn from them or I'd learn from being in the class itself. Well, this is kind of cool. And I would do styles I didn't understand or never heard of to kind of pull myself around a bit to sort of stretch my own training and knowledge and body and and it was fascinating the thread that's run through all of your talk of your dance is reconnecting with that joy yes and it not being structured so I was never going to be ballerina or gymnast or any of those things that when I was younger tall people got knocked out from and then obviously in more recent years I've also been plus size and it was for me it was that being able to step back in I reconnected to salsa and gone back to salsa but again you're reliant on having the partner and around here the guys aren't that tall (laughs) which makes a big difference but for me it was stepping back and going okay what's the craziest thing I can do that's going to get my fitness back make me feel good and my first step into that was going I'm going to go pole dancing Yes. And finding a teacher who taught in their home and where I could have one-to-one because I wasn't in a place that I wanted other people to see my body at that point. Yeah. But although it was structured, like obviously you have to do things in certain ways for your own safety and you have to be able to do all the holes for your in the own way. But the actual movement in between wasn't. And it was that you were saying earlier of that, actually, I can move my body how I want. Yes. Yeah. And I can get back into my body. And it was off the back of that that I then also came and did Samba, which is obviously where you and I met. Yay. 
yeah. <laughs> and again, that same thing that I'm definitely the reluctant performer, the nerves kick in and the rest of me kicks in and but put the costume on and put the makeup on and you have to go out there and do it. I probably had more fun in the big solo costumes, even though they were the scariest because I was on my own, because I was free to, to dance my way and be me. Yes, yes. And that is really what dance should be about. And it, it's I think it's got better. It's got broader. It's become more diverse. But there are still threads that run through it. There are still things I come up against. There is still kind of narrow thinking. And so I've kind of made it a mission in my world. Uh, one, to not engage in any competition, which is also rife in the dance world, which takes away from the healing element of it. I mean, for goodness sake. And um, the joy. And, and the joy. Yeah. So I'm not doing any of that. And also to constantly reinforce that playfulness in the space, that joyousness, that it doesn't matter whether you've just got off the couch for the first time or you've been dancing for 900 years. It doesn't matter. It's all the same. And, and I've just had a memory pop in, actually. I was teaching a class at the Haywards Heath Dolphin and it was a Zumba class. It was off. It was um probably just before I left Sussex actually and um it was a busy class I was kind of it was under the guise of Zimba but I was doing my own stuff and in the same class I had people who were just moving for the first time consciously ever in their life to music and right at the back of the class an ex-ballet rombe dancer wow all in the same class enjoying and working at their own levels and the only reason I knew is because I I was, you know, moving around Korean teaching and I suddenly saw this leg go up here. <laughs> just from nowhere. She was very unassuming, lovely woman. And afterwards I just said, oh, you know, I had a little chat and she shared her history. But the the point was that everybody was dancing and getting what they needed out of it and enjoying. And it didn't matter. And there was, because I refuse to do hierarchy in classes and things like that. I don't do any of that malarkey. Mm. Um, it's, and, and especially in the performance, anything performance-based, it's, it's none of that. It's, I just think it's, um, oh, I don't know, I just, I've been in classes where that has been the setup. And yeah. it just creates, it reinforces division that's the word I'm looking for. It reinforces division and creates competition over collaboration. And I just can't, I can't do it. And I really refuse to engage, even if it's coming at me, which it has done over the years, I just work really, really intensely on sending love back. Because I think in the dance world, even though it has become more diverse, I still think there is still, maybe it's just the nature of performing. I think also it's there's a level where it's such a strong cycle and yeah. it's such a strong pattern that it's going to take time to break. Because if you think about the first well-known black ballerinas to come through, yes. Yes. and actually if you think it's only recently, they've got yes. their colour types. Yes, yes. All these years of ballet and it's only and recently. Yes. So ballet is still the underlying training. Yes. for most things yeah so while you've got that structure yeah trying to break that elsewhere is, is going to take time yeah but I think there are some very brave dancers standing up 
and moving forward and as ever there's one and her name has gone out of my head again and it always goes out of my oh, head oh you messaged me didn't you and I've got like I did and she did the Fenty show so she is a young plus size dancer who started in her teens and you're going to pull the name up for me I know no, you are. I'm like I'm looking I'm looking as we're talking. Uh, I always forget her name she was bullied because she was plus size and ended up in a viral video and from that, she has basically been taken forward as the face because her dancing was amazing. There was nothing she couldn't do that everyone next to her couldn't do. Yeah. It was purely size. And the fact she was in Rihanna's Fente show this year. So there are people there that are breaking. Yeah. But I think, unfortunately, they are the unique ones. They are, they stand mm-hmm. out because they are the the difference. Yeah. And there's still a lot of dinosaurs running the show, I think, behind the scenes in terms of classical, the classical world. And no disrespect to them. Uh, This is going to sound really hard, but as they die off, so the world changes because as the younger people are coming through, they're coming through with different ideas. And I know this firsthand because I'm actually looking at progressing my own training and I'm looking at doing an MA or an MFA or an MSc and I'm starting to sort of dig in a little bit and, and explore and approach and question. And I was at a postgrad, a virtual postgrad evening online with Trinity Laban a few weeks ago. And I decided to pop into the breakout room on the MA in dance performance. I thought, let's go in the one that's going to light me up the most because I still have a picture that says I can't do this professionally. So I went in there and I thought, right, let's speak my deepest, darkest fear. I'm like, let's just go for it. I've got a coach that says, if you fear it, do it. And there was, it was a small room. Uh, There was the lead lecturer. And then there were a couple of, couple of other people who looked quite young. So I said, you know, I've just got to ask this first thing. And I, I shared my age. I said, am I too old to be even considering an MA in dance performance because it would be training in a professional company and I watched the two young people shake their heads vehemently and I thought oh my god it's all in my head I think it's also what we see it's yeah. that it's the our it's our perception isn't it and yeah. and there is some reality so I know we're talking age but also thinking size and all of those things because that's obviously where I fall in there is a reality that somebody has to be light enough to be able to be lifted in professional performances yeah so of course when you're doing ballet or you know even the latin worlds and all of that they've got to be able to be lifted I understand that and that therefore does exclude certain people for certain reasons however it's also the reason that Jade Adams on Strictly this year wanted a same-sex partnership so that she could do the lifting. Yes, yes. Recognising that she was never going to be be lifted and that she could be the one. Changing the game, yes. Yes, and and opening that door. So I think so much of this is new perception and new outlooks on how can we do it. That actually if your body moves and is good enough to do whatever it is you want to do, that you can but it just might be altering the goalposts for it yeah yes and it's just cha- it's, it's broadening and widening again isn't it yeah. and opening things up so that dance becomes yet more accessible to more people because yeah I think you're right it's that pathway to what we think of as say West End professionalism something like that 
is still a very specific pathway. Yeah, I don't know whether that will change or how or when. Maybe it's just a question of when. But I think it's also broadening what dance is. And it comes back to that what Zumba did manage to do. And I'm sure there are other dance styles that have managed it. It's just Zumba is the one that managed it internationally. Yeah, it was the first one that broke through that kind of brought dance and fitness together in such a commercial way. There were things going on before and there were probably instructors doing their own stuff. Absolutely. What would have been happening. But I think it's the first thing that kind of brought both sides together. We're also back to the mental health and the spiritual side as well. Like we know how much dance can do for older people in terms of the brain, in terms of Alzheimer's and keeping their not just their brain going, but their body going. But there's also a spiritual side to it, which is the joy and that soul connection again. So it's more than just those two things it might be something as simple as touch the fact that you you're even interacting with a partner yeah and instead of it being left until you are the older person and it's being done to support you actually the broadening for me is that moving that down so a little bit like you're saying when you went to move it or go to move it that everyone's a lot younger yeah it would be lovely to be able to go to something like that and have the all age that it's not just there if you're older or if it's rehab or if it's something yes. specific. It's categorised at the moment, isn't it? Yes. Yes. And breaking that and having it as actually this is great for your mental health and it's great for your physical health, but also when it's done in a really joyful way and a way that feels good, it can have, it might not be that deep near soul connection, but it can have a connection if you find the right way of movement for you. Absolutely. And that's what I, that's what I've discovered I do in all of my classes. So I took what I learned through Nia and went, well, is there any reason we can't do this in dance fitness and carnival samba and tap dance and Charleston or whatever I was teaching? And, and and that is the thing that draws people in. It's not the dance. They think it's the dance. It's not. It's not the dance. They think it's that. Think, oh, I love this. No, no, no. You, you, you want to come in because it's the energy. It's the energy. And it just comes through that vehicle. And the community. Yeah. I think that's the other bit we've you talked about when it yeah. was near for you. It wasn't just the dance. It was the community and I know how important that's been for me that I've talked obviously about the pole instructor and we became really great friends and actually ended up on a very similar spiritual journey at the same time it was the same I used to go to a Zumba class at nine o'clock on a Saturday morning and nine o'clock on a Sunday morning and it was a particular instructor I would not have got out of bed for anybody else and it was the people in the class so I wanted to be there I wanted to show up even on those winter mornings, because it wasn't just that I was going to feel good from moving my body. There was, it was more, but it was that intangible. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And I do think that is what dance brings. It brings that intangible because it combines so many different things. You're physically moving, there's music involved. um, And that is what ignites that joy in the spirit. I often say to my students, it's like Sudoku for the body. (laughs) Because you've got to use this so instead of just sitting there doing your little number thing I don't like Sudoku anyway <laughs> I don't know why but, you like but I like the comparison I do <laughs> like the comparison where you went back and talked about obviously near and even that being too much but there is something out there for everybody because 
exactly I guess where I'm recovering at the moment and I still have struggle with my fatigue yeah. I can't go and do I mean I'd love to go back and do my samba dancing it would wipe me out for a whole month that's the reality if I even did one class at that pace <laughs> but it doesn't mean I can't move it doesn't mean I can't dance I just have to find a way that works for me exactly exactly and this is what the one thing I think I try and get across to people when I often get people, so I'm a qualified personal trainer as well. And I often get people saying, what's the best exercise? Like, give me the quick magic pill to fitness and longevity. And I always say the same thing. It's the one you're going to stick with. That's it. If you're not going to do it, it's not going to work. It doesn't, doesn't matter if it's base jumping off somewhere in Tibet. If you don't like that, you're not going to do it. So... It's got to be that thing that you want to go back to over and over again, because that's what's going to give you the joy. That's what's going to keep the joints moving. That's what's going to keep the blood flowing. Um, that's what's going to clear the mind. It's heal the heart. It's, yeah, it doesn't matter what it is. It really, really doesn't. What I've noticed with my regular students over the years, those have been with me, they usually do one or two. So I run a few different style classes and they usually do one or two. And they have all, I would say, started to combine their own fitness programs together, their own, don't usually like using the word, well-being program, let's put it like that. And I think that comes from that, what, they, what they're getting is that sense of coming, getting into their own body, listening and learning, and then putting together, oh, this is what works. I'm going to do this. I need to. So I don't necessarily have like massively packed classes, but what I do have, I've noticed, I have very conscious students who are really listening to their own bodies and monitoring and adjusting as they need to and getting stronger all the time. And what I see over the years is those that have that self-awareness and self-motivation to move and to support themselves are the ones that stay. And I don't tend to attract people that want quick fixes or they tend to want to, they tend to go elsewhere. So it's, it's interesting. Oh, Melanie, we have talked so much in both of these episodes. Is there anything that you would like to finish with? Is there anything that you would like to share as a yeah. sum up? <laughs> I just Well, I just suddenly thought it's actually, it's actually a bit of a, um, it's a plug. <laughs> oh, we will get into that next. <laughs> oh, okay. But it is kind of, it does pull it all together. So over the last few years, I've sort of been cultivating and I kind of tracking myself and tracking my path and it's all kind of going in. And I'm going to be running a course next year or be online, but it's called Your Health is in Your Hands. And it's going to have five magic modules all beginning with M, obviously, covering movement, mindset, meditation, meals, and me time, and based on how I healed myself from cancer. So it's taking everything I've learned. Sounds powerful. Even I'm just so excited. It. Yeah, I know. I'm so excited that I can't launch the thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, what we will do is as ever, of course, is put your links into the show notes. So how people can get hold of you, how they can stay in touch with you, how they can find out about your classes and anything else you're doing. 
and we will make sure that the best way to connect with you to be able to hear about that course further is in there. Cool. And I think the last thing I would say to anybody is listen to yourself, listen to your body and just get out there and enjoy your life because it could be over like that. And I was going to just add one more line to that, if that's okay. And that is getting out of your head and into your body. We spend too much time up in our heads. We need to to get back into our bodies. Yes. Melanie, it's been fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. I've so enjoyed it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for joining me for another Fierce Soul Conversation. To find out more about me and my work, please see the links in the show notes. And of course, don't forget to like, share and subscribe. I look forward to you joining me next time.